In the New Testament, you'll remember that when Jesus was challenged and he was asked, what's the greatest and most important commandment? He said what? He said, the first is this. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So we already know clearly what the greatest commandments are in terms of order first and second. What I'd propose to you is that remember is the third greatest commandment in all of Scripture. All throughout the Old Testament, all throughout the New Testament, there's this call to remember. Who God is, what he has done for us, who we are in light of what he's done for us, and therefore then how we are to live our lives in response to that. I want to read for you just a couple passages that kind of display this example of how, again, all throughout the Old Testament, God called his people to tell stories to one another, whether it was from the Exodus to the crossing of and wandering to the crossing, constantly God is saying, remember, I want to read just a couple of those really quick. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, uh, verse 9, Moses is telling the people before they're going to get to go into the land, he says, only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest you depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children. Again, the command to remember, kind of in the, the negative here of saying, lest you forget. But remember and tell it to your children's children and beyond. Then if you flip over to chapter 8, the chapter of this is actually, you know, in our Hebrew Bible, written and says, remember the Lord your God. But chapter 8, verse 2, again, Moses says, and you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And if we jump down to verse 19, and it says, and if you forget the Lord your God, and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish. Again, this call to remember so that we live life and we live it in a way that God has designed because that's the way of flourishing. And so throughout Scripture, again, this command to remember who God is, remember what he has done for us and what he's instructed us to do, Remember who we were and who we are, and then remember his love and his instruction so that we can live a full and flourishing life. This month, um, this month of January, we're doing a series that we're calling Great is Your Faithfulness. And the reason we're doing that is because we have now as a community, as we talked about a little bit last week in dedicating the building, we have lived through what we're coining the nomadic decade. By the grace of God, we've made it through that, and we stand here today. And so as we transition from that nomadic decade into, Lord willing, another decade, I think it's super important that we as a community remember who God is, the stories of his love, his faithfulness, the miraculous, the amazing things that he has done from the inception of this community. And so what we're going to do today is actually have our original, majority of our original planting team up here on the stage this morning to share stories of how and why Missio was birthed and how we got started. Over the next following weeks, then, what we're going to do is we're going to have a number of people within our community, again, share stories aligned with our rhythms and our values to help show how those have been lived and played out over the last 10 to 12 years in order to encourage us and call us all up again to this place of just remembering God's goodness and faithfulness that we continue to live into it. You're going to hear me say time and again that Having this new space as we start this new era 
It's a gift. It's, it's a grace from God. But it's not the end-all, be-all. <laughs> there are some problems that we left behind, and there are some new problems we'll inherit now that we're stewards of a, of a facility. Right? And this doesn't make us a church. We've been a church for years. This, again, is a tool and a resource for us to steward. And we are not yet who God has called us to be. By his grace, we're in process, but we're not yet there. And so I think it's super important that we remember that. And again, you'll hear me say that time and again, because I believe that's, that's the call, to remember who God is, who we are, in light of his goodness and faithfulness, in order that we continue to follow Jesus, to be an authentic community that makes Jesus Christ fully known so that others can come to fully know him. Amen? Cool. So with that in mind, what I want to do is invite some friends to the stage, friends and family. Um, you guys have already met Travis. He's not coming back up yet. He'll come again later. But Travis and his wife, Aaron, and their family were part of the original planting team. Um, but I want to invite John and CJ Chang up with me. Uh, John was our lead pastor, lead planter, and his wife, CJ. You can pick a chair. I want to invite up Joel and Lisa Toe. Joel and Lisa joined the planting team. Uh, early on, and so they're key and central part of the story. I want to invite up my wife, Christine. You can pick a chair, and I'll follow you. And then um, I want to invite up Vicki, Vicki Rubens, our women's pastor. And she's going to uh, kind of lead and facilitate the conversation this morning so that I can get engage in it as well. But, um, yeah, as we do this, again, the goal is that we're just remembering and declaring Great is your faithfulness, God, in order that we as a community are encouraged and continue to live into that. Amen? Cool. Cool. Well, good morning, you guys. Um, thanks for coming up here and joining. This is so fun. Um, I get to ask all the hard questions, and they have to answer me. No. <laughs> anyway, so great to see you guys here. And um, first off, we just want to hear, like, where, where did the desire and the dream to plant Missio come from? Um, I know I definitely want to hear from John and Dom about that because you guys were definitely at the very beginning and dreaming this, this vision of Missio. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, I think in church planting we talk about <clears throat> uh, two things. One, when you start something, it's got to be something you long for. Otherwise, you can't plant something that will be sustainable. If you don't want it, why would somebody else not want it? And then the second is you want to be a people who are committed to a mission that asks this question, what can I be for the other, not what can I get from it? Mm-hmm. And so those things sometimes you feel that tension in both. But um, for me, the first part uh, the earlier, which is, you know, what did I long for? I really longed for um, gospel conversations. Mm. You know, not awkward ones, not weird ones, just because of a tangible expression for from a deep love of being loved by God that I could step into a community, into a neighborhood, and mm. be be a worshiper, be myself, and then have someone say, like, why do you love me the way you do? Or why do you forgive the way you do? Or why do you why do you do what you do? And and to have that just be a natural, honest conversation with somebody else who deeply wanted to know why we lived the way we did. And I just longed for that. And I was longing for a community that would do that. And I had some of these pictures up here kind of freaked me out because we look so young. <clears throat> but 
I was thinking about like, gosh, I just wanted to find some people who, who, who believed in that. And that's where I feel like, and believe in my heart, that's where it really kind of came from, was yeah. just that longing for those conversations and those deep relationships that would be natural enough for us to say, just point to Jesus and then get the heck out of the way. Yeah, that's, yeah. That was, that was I love it. that. Yeah. Real quick, that picture just reminds me that yeah, Melissa Spaulding in the middle um, was going to be on the stage with us here too. She's still part of our community and because of COVID or just sickness, she couldn't be here today, but you'll hear from her later on in, in the month. But yeah, I just want to shout out Melissa. We know you're with us. We love you. Um, yeah, I think for me, the part of it, similar to what John was sharing and the way I was seeing that played out was that I started youth ministry in uh, 04 and um, I was leading a a youth group and college students were starting to come back or when they would come back and even young adults from the church that I was leading at and a lot of them were saying I just I don't have a place that feels like home I don't want to return to my parents church or this place or that place and again longing yeah for a community a place where they could honestly wrestle and engage with real life and the gospel and figure it out in a loving community Um, and I met John through doing youth ministry in the city and, and another guy named Dan Sun who couldn't be here today but was part of our original planting team he's in that picture top, your top right. Um, and we were all leading separate communities, but we would get together and we would do retreats and conferences and things for the sake of the other, for the sake of people coming to know Jesus. And the dream just started happening of what would it look like for us to plant and start something that, yeah, we longed for and desired and that served and cared for those within the city who we were seeing who were disenfranchised, lost, wandering away, and needing a place to come home to. So, Yeah, yeah. Well, in, in, the, in the process of that, I know that you guys had a lot of conversations, but I want to hear, like when, did, like, when did people start buying in, and what was that like? You know, I mean, I know that, you know, John can't start a church without CJ, you know? <laughs> so why did you guys step in? What, what did you guys feel like you were buying into in this vision of video that was attractive to you? Well, I was uh, finishing up seminary and had kind of a long... I didn't know any of these guys. had the same type of longing that John was talking about. And I remember uh, Nam Chong, who was uh, at that time, he was raising support to join uh, Campus Crusade or crew and came over. We were, he was, had a conversation. He was like, hey, I heard these guys are planting a church you should get a hold of Dan's son, you know? And so I was like, okay, I'll get a hold of Dan's son. And I ended up, it was early, early summer, late spring, late spring, early summer, ended up at John's house with a bunch of other people who were starting to talk about planting a church. And we, man, we fell in love. Uh, it was kind of one of those moments where you're like, these are our people, we don't have to explain much. They have the same heart and the same desire to serve God and see that happen in Portland. So that's, that's what drew us in, Yeah. Uh, me in. Yeah. But I remember driving home from that, that time going, this is unreal. This, is, this, this could be an amazing community, what hmm. we've been praying about and dreaming about. Yeah. Ladies. 
I was just gonna say, I remember when Joel and Lisa came over and we were like, gosh, I feel like I've known them for a long time. Caden was drinking from a bottle still, that's how many years it was ago. Lillian was super little, but um, yeah, I think from the beginning, I mean, it was always a calling for, it was, it was a calling, for me it was a calling to John and a calling to God. It was a calling to John's calling to God too, so. Um, Lots of calling. However that works. Anyway, <laughs> you get it. Um, but, yeah, I think for us it was exciting, and it was, um, you know, we were like, how could we not do this? God was just leading us and opening doors, and we were just super excited to see, like, who God brought our way, and, you know, each of you have a story, and, like, who, um, you know, where we've intersected and how God has brought you here, and so um, it just it continues. So it's, it's been exciting from the start. Yeah, I think at the same time, Joel was having coffee with Nam, um, the Northwest Church Planting director came into my office. I was working at the Lions District office and um, the denomination we, we belong to or the network. And um, he was like, hey, this guy John just passed church planting and he's going to be incubating at um, Mosaic, and that's where we were attending, and he's like, you guys should really check him out, and I'm like, are you kicking us out of your church? Like, what's going on here? Like, so, um, so it was just confirmation on both of our sides that this was something that we needed to pursue, and like um, CJ said, like, I was just like, I feel like I've known you forever, and I want to be your friend, and like, do this ministry together, and so it was super cool to like, just be confirmed in so many different ways, and yeah, just be just the vision of being an authentic community and being on mission for God and um, wherever we were. And so it was just so inspiring and just where we were. And we were actually looking at moving to Seattle at one point and we're like, stay at Miss You, go to Seattle, like where my family is. But, you know, but God closed those doors and was like, hey, this is where I want you. So, yeah, we're so grateful. We are. So, we just want to hear some stories about what it was like planting. Ooh, ooh. Wow, hi. Um, what were your early memories of starting a church in Southwest Portland? We have gone through a journey. We obviously have not always been here. We've gone through a couple of different locations. Um, at, for a while, it was just Dom's, the location was Dom's living room. Um, so we just want to hear some stories of what it was like, I mean, for you guys. Um, yeah, I mean, even just to answer a little bit of your last question, I think for me, I mean, I think there's just a lot of special memories, you know, of like us growing as an extended family in a lot of ways. And I think for me personally, the, the, the idea of embarking on something like Nasiya was really exciting, partially because of my, of just wanting to step away of the church context that I was in prior to that, um, just growing up in a, uh, in my parents, you know, uh, church community um, in Beaverton and, and just needing some healing from that. And so it felt exciting and like, oh yeah, we can, we can, we can do something on our own and it'll be lovely and beautiful and all, you know, all these really cool things. Um, But I also brought in a lot of my own pain, you know, in, in that journey. And so like, 
I think even when I look back on you know some of these moments, like it it was really great, but I think there were a lot of pieces of me where I wasn't able to still um, engage well, and so I would say that you know over the last ten years, um, for me, like this this journey of being part of this church community, it's been both healing and very painful. Um, because of just where I've been at. And and so I just share that to say, like, I, it, it's because I was in uh, this church community when I was wrestling, beginning to name some really uh, hard things about my, you know, um, yeah, my past, but also, like, just the things of how my brain is wired and my mental health. And I just couldn't not share, like, I couldn't help but not share that anymore. Um, And so it was a lot of it was like trial and error. Like, I'm just going to start talking about this stuff as I'm going through my own healing journey. And while it wasn't always comfortable, um, I knew that it was being received from those who needed it because there was some feedback. There was some loving feedback. And people, um, like, I don't take for granted those who... Uh, trusted me with their own stories. Um, and so I just shared all that to say, like, I mean, just <laughs> just be super honest. Like, when Dom told me that John wanted him to take over uh, over for, like, senior pastor, I was like, no. I, I'm not down. Like, sorry. Um, but he stuck with it. And, like, again, that's I'm, I share that again to say, this has been healing and also hard. Um, and, and I think there's more of that to come. Yeah. Thank you for being honest with that. I think that there's so many times where we just have assumptions that everything's going okay or, you know, like, sure, everybody's just on board and it's just all, you know, rainbows. And I think it's so helpful to know, like, oh, we all bring our own journeys in and sometimes it is healing and sometimes it is painful and especially if you're married to someone that is called into something and that means something for your own life right like how do you step into that even when it's hard so thank you for sharing that yeah does anybody else want to share any early memories of planting yeah um we we had uh so we have uh, i think all of us moved in that, in the very beginning, and so we were living. John and I were living out in um, Beaverton, in Tannisborn, and we sold our house. And we were like, "Oh, we'll just find it." Well, we tried to. We were trying to move closer into Southwest Portland, and so, but it took. It was probably it ended up being a two-year journey of not having a house, which was which was cool because God totally worked in different ways and gave us homes. And so, um, one of my one of our favorite. Um, stories is that in the very beginning we were, um, John was at Mosaic kind of as a resident um, before, as a resident church planner before Missio started and so we were there for a season and after service, John can tell this better probably, but after service one day a couple came up to us that we did not know and John had just preached and they came up to us and they said, "Um, hey we have a house in southwest Portland um, we're not, we heard you needed one. Um, we're not going to be living there for the summer. Uh, would you like to live in our house? <laughs> and, uh, it was a brand new house. That couple was the Bowers. 
Woo! Um, shout out to, um, yeah, Jeremy and Susie, but we, um, they were so gracious and so kind, and it was just a, a story of just, like, their generosity, and we, I had not even met them. Like, we moved into their house. We had two small kids. Um, their brand new house that we, like, they hadn't even lived in. They were in Europe traveling, and so we, I didn't even, um, yeah, we didn't even know who they were, and we were just, like, we're living in this amazing house. We were super blessed, and it was just a story of God's um, God's working through them to give to us and allow us to be in the neighborhood to start this. And so, um, yeah, we were there for a couple of months and it was just, it was just beautiful. And I think a picture of like what this community is and has been from the start is just willing to be a part of not just us, but just a part of this mission and a part of growing the church. And it was like an all hands on deck thing. Um, so yeah, just one, one beautiful. Yeah. I remember a week into that, John called me in a panic and said, Lillian, just spilled grape juice on white carpet. What do I do? I said, get out of there. Yeah. yeah. White, white carpet, chair. I was like, they're never going to commit to Somehow they committed to Missio. Um, another story was we were looking for spaces to meet. Um, because we were in Southeast, they were Tannis born, these guys were moving left and right. And so um, we asked Vicki and Birch, who weren't a part of our community, hey, you're central, you're right near PSU, can we borrow your house? And they said, yeah, but we're not joining you. <laughs> and um, so how do, you, how do you not join a community when we're meeting in your house? By week three, they were eating meals with us and had bought in, right? Week three? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We were out of town for the first two weeks, though, so yeah. it, that was the reason why. That was the model. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're seeing a trend here. <laughs> but yeah, uh, the first two, three years of this, we called it Missio Moving Company because they moved twice. These guys moved probably three, four times. <laughs> Within the, last, in the first three years, we moved just once, but, but we had the most stuff. But. Um, yeah. Was there a reason why we are in Southwest Portland? I mean, obviously none of you guys were in Southwest Portland. So what were you guys seeing that made you guys feel called to Southwest Portland? I remember in the I remember in the, the early planting days we, we actually raised support and um, I remember as we were going around raising support for those few years one of the diagrams we had was kind of this donut that was like this circle around the city of Portland and it was representing the fact that there were vibrant younger relevant communities popping up in northwest in northeast in southeast but here in southwest Portland was a lot of communities actually similar to the building we're sitting in. You know, older uh, communities that were faithful for years, but had kind of run their course. And uh, we just looked at Southwest Portland and said, you know, there's, there's a lot of movement in that direction. Families will be moving there, but there's not necessarily a, a healthy, vibrant, gospel-centered community. And part of it was being called towards that. Um, I don't know if you'd want to share any more about that, but... Yeah. I don't know if I'm on, but... <clears throat> What we and and you're right. We, I remember Joel and Lisa saying, "I don't. Where's Southwest Portland?" 
<laughs> they were like, we're on the east side. What's south? We don't even know. Is there a southwest Portland? Does that even exist? So I knew it would, see, I knew it would be kind of somewhat of a mystery for a lot of people when we said we were going to plant, because they immediately thought downtown. That's what you think of when you think of southwest. So that didn't seem like where we should put it. But I think when we kind of we did the survey, we landscaped, we really did do quite a survey. We went to kind of almost every part of of Portland, and um, one of the survey questions, one of the things I did, we did was we we went kind of um, to neighborhoods, and and we would literally park ourselves near um, a corner or or go door to door and ask, hey, do you know the church that's about two blocks away from you? Do you know anybody there? That was the question. Do you know anybody from that church down the street? Have you ever been invited to anything? And if the answer was yes, A plus. If it was a no, it was like, oh, okay, well, that's a problem. And so uh, when we, we would go through like parts of Portland and we recognize, okay, these churches in, in other parts of Portland really were really actively involved in the community. But when we got to Southwest, it was like, oh, you could be a block away from the church and no one would know you. And that was kind of like when we looked at the donut, so to speak, I was like, okay, like that's, that's where we've got to put it because we wanted to be an inviting community that made Jesus fully known. And that was kind of what sealed the deal because we could have really put it anywhere, but it was really about where could we be a presence. And what we used to say, and we still say, is if God were to suddenly evaporate this church, would anyone miss us? And if the answer was unequivocally no, without any question no, then we would know that we didn't do our mission. We weren't part of the, the community. So that was, that was, you know, why Southwest was more of what could the church be for a community, not the area itself. Yeah. So, Yeah, no, thank you. Um, I mean, you guys have alluded to our mission statement quite a bit. And if you've been around like more than once, you'll hear us say our mission statement, which is that Missio exists to be an authentic community that makes Jesus Christ fully known so others can come to fully know him. We just want to know, like, what was the heart? What was the scripture? What were the things that were burning in our hearts that led to that? Because I know creating something like that is not how you want it to be a presence in the community. How did that shape this mission statement? I mean, I think we really wanted to, you know, you say, like, we want to do life together. Like, what does that mean? And so much is it, like, is living in the neighborhood and being a part of, you know, like, knowing your neighbors and being in, we all had kids, so, like, being in the schools. And so I think that was a big part. We were, um, we we moved near Hayhurst, and our kids started to go to Hayhurst Elementary, and so where we met for a while. Um, and so we formed a relationship with the principal there, which was, um, super cool, and so that Missio was, you know, volunteering in local school, that school, and I think some other schools, and um, and we had a, a great relationship with her, where you know she was like, here are some of the needs of the school, and and we're like, those are things that we can help you with, and and so it was really a natural thing versus a forced um, relationship. So I think that that spoke to really, you know, us trying to be an authentic a community. Um, you know, really living out, like, not just being here on Sundays, but really just being in the day-to-day of, you know, our, our, our community and being able to invite people around us to church where it was natural and not, like, awkward, like, drive across the city. It was really, um, yeah, super communal, so I think that was a big part of it. Anybody else? 
want to chime in? I think there's a big part of it, even I referenced it earlier, but just the, the greatest commandment, right? To, to love God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then to love your neighbor as yourself. As we talk about being an authentic community, and I believe spiritual formation happens in community, right? So we've got to be authentic and love one another in order to live out those commands. But even to then live it out outside of these walls is us learning to know God and then go make him known, right? So that other people can know that they're loved by him and then love him in response to that, right? Because it's always, it's always a response to his love first. And so just the, the thought of, yeah, man, I, just, I want people to know that God loves them, right? And be able to step into a community that embodies that and represents that and is fleshing that out and wrestling with it in authentic ways. We believe that would help others to, to understand that. Yeah. Well, and I, and I feel like, you know, even as you guys are sharing and feeling like, oh, yeah, we didn't start this church because we were perfect. We were in the process of healing. We were trying to figure out how to be young parents, you know, like, and trying to figure out how to make a difference in a community that we were new to. So I think that the foundation of our church is so much that, like, no one has reached it here. We're all in the process of healing, and also that we don't deal with our own healing behind closed doors, but actually as we share our pain and our healing and our process, that actually brings an authenticity that brings healing to other people as well. And I think that that's so much the heart and hope of why we do what we do and and the things that we share. And so to lead in with that, I want to hear about the hard stuff. You know, you, you guys have been, you know, sharing, you know, on the surface, kind of like how it's been, what was fun, like we found our people, but I know there's hard things, right? Like it's, it's not easy having a baby and moving two, three times and not having a home and, you know, all of that. So what was hard? <laughs> well, I went kicking and screaming because we had this cute little house on the east side and I was like, what do you mean we just bought this, the market's crashed, we can't like get any money from it if we sell it. We actually short sold it. Um, and so it was just one, that was hard. Like we listed it, nobody wanted it. And I was like, we need to move to west side cause God's calling us there. And that was the only reason why we were moving, <laughs> you know, like, and so, but in that God gave us a beautiful house to live in. We thought we were gonna move into a 500 square foot tiny apartment and how do I host things there? And um, so in the hard of selling our house, God provided and the timing was amazing because the owners of the house graciously, like literally gave us this house to live in for barely anything. And, um, and that we had how many baby showers there now and how many, but like in all of that, it was a, like sitting in the like, okay, God, you really want us to be on the West side, like how, you know? And so that was, you know, driving from deep Southeast to Beaverton for MC or tennis born. And it was like, yeah, it was just like, okay, we got this two year old and he's sitting in the car for 45 minutes, you know, like to, with our people that we want to do life with daily, but no one's going to drive out the river. We don't cross the river. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that was like definitely like a pain point of like, we're supposed to be there, but like the timing, you know, of it. I think 
one of the things that was hard for me was, um, yeah, similar. We had, we had bought a home out in Tannisborn. It was our first home that we lived in together. Um, I had a, a job in the business world where I made good money. I had a paid salaried ministry gig. And one part of the call was to quit all of that to a sense to raise support for three years. And so it was like this call to die to myself and to die to self-sufficiency and to die to the dream and plan of what I thought the first few years of our marriage would look like is this house that I bought and that we had. And, you know, and all, all of a sudden God's saying, well, if you're going to follow me and live into this calling I have for you in this season, it's dying to this, this, and this. And that, that was super fun. You know what I mean? So, no, I mean, that was, it was hard. It was hard. So that, I mean, honest, honest heart wrestling, you know, um, as a young married couple going, okay, God, like, you know, okay, you know, but not easy conversations, not easy seasons, but yeah, fruitful in the end. Yeah. 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 I think we were, um, I mean, same for fundraising. I mean, we were working somewhat and or John was working and I was working some and um, I think, yeah, just having to go through a, a process of it's, it's humbling, you know, to, yeah, go in and, you know, ask fundraise and ask, you know, your community and your friends for, like, money to support you to live um, and just for us to change directions, I think, from being on careers to um, being on, in ministry and, um, and on people's support, but also, you know, super, um, we were just super blessed and, and God, of course, just, you know, provided um, everything and we weren't like, you know, I think sometimes it was like paycheck to paycheck, just trying to get to, you know, the next month. But God was always faithful. Um, I was just going to also add that, you know, we had two, we've talked about kids, but we had, you know, two little kids. I had a neat Levi was a newborn. So, um, I mean, he literally was born like at the same time as Yo was birthed. So I always think of the eight, they're, they're twins, Miss Yo and Levi. Um, <laughs> So, but I think it was just busy, and, you know, John was super busy, and I was just trying to figure out parenting, I think, and, I mean, I know that even early on, we were just so, I think, super laser-focused on getting Missio off the ground, and Levi ended up in the hospital, like, just because we were just, like, we were trying to sell our house, and then he was also, he was not feeling well, and it was just, like, a conglomeration of things, like, oh, man, we've got to, like we actually need to focus on our kid, like, to make sure he's still alive, you know, so I think there were just a lot of, um, just a mix of, a mix of life, you know, it was like us trying to live life and trying to parent, and, and a lot of, I was looking back at my journal entries of this time period to try to remember, and I was like, a lot of it was just, like, me being a mom, and, like, John was busy, so I think just, I mean, not to say, it, it was, the calling was always there, and it was always like, no, this is definitely what we should do, um, but it was it was kind of a crazy a crazy season of life. Um, but here we are. I think for for me, um, it's been the time that you spend with people. You think you're going to be with them for a long time, and they're called to go somewhere else. We've had many people come and be a, a part of Missio that have gone on to do ministry or called to other places in the world. Um, over and over and for me it's like it's heart-wrenching every time you know every time we have to send people Um, and then there's the relationships that you build and we've experienced death we've experienced miscarriages we've experienced a ton of just life and um, 
it doesn't get easier, you know, and it's still as painful walking with people in that, and especially as the community gets tighter and tighter and you've spent a lot more time together in the history. It's just hard. I mean, your emotions are always tied up into it, you know, um, but I don't think you do it any other way. It's just life is painful, right? I'll just add that, you know, when we say authentic community that makes Jesus fully known, is that this, the word authentic was so significant, and it still is, because especially in those beginning years, the, and what, what I hope everyone understands is still true today, that when you read in Acts, right, the great you know, when you're in Matthew and you hear about the Great Commission and Jesus says, go and make disciples, go and make disciples, right? Um, and then you read in Acts chapter 2 or Acts how that gets played out. Everybody loves to stick on the Acts chapter 2 verses 42 through 47 where they were breaking bread in people's homes and they were like going to the temple and they were committing themselves to the scriptures and, and it's a true, robust, beautiful picture. But then when you get to chapter seven, eight, nine, they're all being persecuted and martyred. And you realize church is, is hard. It's messy. It's difficult. And yet even in that whole narrative, there's this beautiful line that says they were still at peace and that God was still adding to the numbers day by day. So even in the midst of what was really hard for, I think, really all of us, and even those coming into Missio, because that's who we really were bringing in, and still to this day, not perfect people, but, but quite frankly, broken people, people who feel like they don't belong, people who are lost, people who don't feel like they, they can be heard, or, or there's not a place for them to, to listen and hear, or do what we, saw, we call up in and out in a safe place that that's what makes Jesus really, truly, fully known. It's in a community that is authentically that and can hear the gospel and not be in any way put to shame for it in their broken spaces. So it's only in that like dark place that I feel, feel like and believe that we all kind of have to come to a place, and that's who we ultimately want to invite into the kingdom, into, into Missio. So <clears throat> for me, it was, I feel bad always. <laughs> I feel bad that you feel bad. <laughs> and, and yet I feel like that was the calling, was to, was to bear the burden of everybody. And that was hard. Because I knew we couldn't be a perfect church, but we weren't supposed to be. Yeah. And that's hard. Yeah. And that's painful, and it hurts, and it brings tears to our eyes all the time. Mm-hmm. And yet, we sing, we worship, and we do that not just on a Sunday, but six days out of the week. Seven, all, and so Sunday is just an expression of what we do all week. And so if we could be that, that would be authentic. That makes Jesus fully known. Not the other way around. Yeah. So, yeah. that no. was, for me, the... I want to make everybody's lives great, but I realize in church planting or in church, that's, that's not true. Yeah, It's just not true. And until we can get to that place, we'll never be what we're really called to be. Yeah. And I think that your lives and just you guys sharing, you know, like reminds us of the truth that, you know, in John 12, 14, it says, unless a grain of wheat dies, 
you know, like unless it dies and is buried, there's no fruit that happens, right? Like, and that's just biology, right? That's just how God has created the world, that unless a seed and a grain of wheat dies and falls and is buried, there is no fruit. And I think, you know, we stand now in a church established, you know, we know the community that we're part of, we have experienced healing in relationships and and taking care of each other. And so much of that is because lives were laid down and died, you know, like, I know that there are so many things that you guys have not mentioned that have been hard, that you sacrificed, that you decided that you needed to walk away from because God had something else in store for you. And it was for the joy, right? Like it was for the fruit. It was for something that you couldn't tangibly hold or see as you were getting up at, you know, eight o'clock in the morning, driving a trailer and setting up church every single Sunday. You couldn't see it, but we get to experience the fruit of your sacrifice and, and life that was laid down. So I just, I want to say thank you for that. Thank you so much for laying down your lives and, and that we get to experience the other end of that. And I know that we have all in our own ways laid down our lives, right? Um, but even as we hear that, I just wonder, what is the invitation that God has for us? What are the things that he's inviting us to die to ourselves to? right? We hear some very big examples of that, but big or small, right? Like, what are the things that God is inviting us to lay our lives down to so that fruit may grow? Not fruit that you will get the next day usually, right? But fruit that will bear because your life was laid down, because you made the sacrifice, because you decided, I want to see something bigger beyond myself. And, and, and that means that I need to lay my life down, so I just, I just wonder, what might that be for you?